Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. If you have a teenager, you want the best for them. Sometimes it may be overwhelming. You feel like you just don't know what to do. You're constantly fighting against social influences and all these other outside influences and can be pretty overwhelming. Um, My guest today is here to tell us that it is possible to be exactly the parent your teenager needs you to be. And it is possible to raise happy, well-adjusted children who will go out into the world and make a difference. He is the author of How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs You to Be. Jim White is an author, coach, and founder of the Family Enrichment Academy. He spent the last 40 years studying the topics of personal development, marriage, and parenting. And more importantly, he's also spent those 40 years applying these lessons and living life as a husband, father to six, and a grandfather to 12. Sponsored by the all-new Mazda of Kent. Your family's safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for being here. I really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. Looking forward to it. Yes, me too. I mean, when you have six kids and 12 grandkids, so I know we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. There you go. And I actually have a little update. Um, Probably since that was written, we had another grandchild. You're kidding. Oh, that's great. Let me scratch that out. Make that 13. A baker's dozen. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, super fun. So I know we're going to talk about, you have a lot of things going on, um, you know, the Richmond Academy, you have your book, How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs You to Be Without All of the Fighting, Frustration, and Fear of Doing It Wrong. Great title, by the way. Um, and I think that's what parents of teens, you know, would say, oh yeah, that that sounds like just what we need, you know, without all of that, all of that stuff and being the parent that the teenager needs. So what made you write this book? You know, actually, maybe I'll just give you a quick little background of how I got here, which sort of leads to to the book. Um, As you had mentioned, you know, I have um, six children, but the kind of the full story, I've spent the last 40 years, it's hard to believe it's been that long, um, as I'll say as a student of parenting, family enrichment, personal development, just all of those subjects. But um, more importantly, I spent those 40 years applying the lessons learned and then living my life as a husband and a father to those six children. Um, I like to, to use the analogy of a hero's two journeys. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that, and, but for your audience, it's, it's a storytelling technique that um, in movies and books, you see it play out a lot. And the premise is that the hero or the main character is on two different journeys, obviously. And the first one is known as the journey of accomplishment. You know, they have some task or some goal that they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, that makes for an interesting story, but it's the second journey that makes the hero compelling And what that involves, it's called the journey of transformation. And what happens is as the hero is pursuing that 
task or goal, they're also experiencing an internal transformation. They're becoming a better person, if you will. They're discovering new uh, principles, values, and beliefs that make their life work better. And so how that relates to me is I feel like my journey over the last 40 years as a husband and a parent it sort of reflects that in that, as you can imagine, we had a lot of stuff to do with six children, right? There right. was a lot of places to go and uh, meals to cook, homework to help with. And, you know, we encountered our fair share of obstacles along the way also. But as I was, you know, doing all the stuff that a father of six does, I was also experiencing this amazing internal transformation as well. And it was, you know, through that interest in personal development, parenting and family enrichment, you know, just discovering the principles, values and beliefs that made our family work better. And where I find myself now, though, um, our youngest, we were talking briefly before we came on, our youngest child is now in college. And I just feel this calling to share the lessons learned over the last 40 years as a parent. And it's sort of like wisdom, if you will, learned. And so in order to fulfill that wisdom or that um, calling, I have formed the Family Enrichment Academy. And I've also put together the book that you've mentioned that, you know, how to be the parent your teenager needs you to be. And and the premise is to, you know, I do coaching and workshops and obviously I have the book and it's just, you know, trying to find ways to serve parents as they move along their parenting journey, just like I did. So that's kind of a 40 year summary in about two and a half or three minutes, however long that was. Yeah, that's great. And like you said, you have, I mean, I, I think it's great that you talk about, you know, you just wanting to have that transformation and becoming a better person. And I think, um, you know, parenting should make us better people, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it is, it's a journey to, that you, that the parent is on as well. And there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for personal growth for that parent also. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I know that you, you know, you talk about, um, you know, questions, you know, what's the secret to getting your teenager to open up and talk? And you say that is, you know, asking better questions. And that's a really interesting response. Why do you say that's the secret? Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of times the the parent will, when they ask questions, the, the teenager almost feels like they're interrogating them yes. or they're, they're judging <laughs> them by the way they ask the question. And part of the premise is to, you know, you got to think about that teen. They are going through this um, experience of, of becoming independent. They want to become more independently thinking and they have their own opinions and values and all of that is starting to sort of emerge for them. And so one of the ways to get them to open up is to ask about that, you know, ask about what do they think about something? It's not, you know, a, a classic example is instead of saying, you know, what grade did you get on the test, which for them feels like you're, you're, it's almost like it opens them up for criticism if yeah. they didn't do as well as they should, you know, instead ask them if they felt like the test was fair or if they felt like the test was well organized or did, you know, you start asking them to offer opinions and that they love that because it's a chance for them to step into and express a little bit about, you know, what they believe. And so that's one of the ways to, to get them to open up and it builds connection. It's a lot about building connection as well. I really like that. I like that example you gave and I've seen that just even, um, you know, with my son, it's like, and you don't mean it. It's just a normal question. You know, they studied the night before for a test. And so then the next day you're like, oh, I, I want to find out, you know, how they did kind of like to be 
you know, excited for him, not to be judgmental or anything, but you know, when you, when I've asked that, you know, how did you do or how, how'd it go? Or what do you think you got on it or whatever? It's kind of like a little defensive, you know, the stance right. even, you know, I can tell in the body language and it's like, you know, I don't, but when I have done kind of reframe my question to, um, you know, I started asking him, do you think that you were like study the, the, what you studied, do you think that was on the test? Do you think you were like prepared for it? Or do you feel like it was, you know, like what you were told to study, did it jive with it? Then he does have that conversation and he'll say like, right. you know, yes, or well, this part, well, no, this was on there and I didn't know, you know, this or that, or I did great on this part in your, so, so you're so right. Just kind of that reframing of the question. Right. Can have a huge impact. And it, it allows, and like I say, it builds one of my big fundamentals with parents is the idea of building connection. And that those kinds of questions are great ways to build connections um, with your teen by getting to open up. And you get, you get some insight into how they think when you ask questions like that as well, which can be very valuable to the parent. Yeah. And then maybe if they didn't do as well, I don't know, but you've you, you've had a chance to talk about maybe why, and you could see they're, they're, they have made some good points or something that would stop a, you know, you just must, must not have studied enough, you know, that kind of thing where it's like, well, wait a second. No, you know, they, maybe they did, but you can find some things out about it. Right. Exactly. And it's, you know, a, another piece is, and it comes to asking questions is the whole idea of empowerment and empowering the teenager um, as opposed to trying to control what they do. You know, take this test example that we're talking about. You know, sometimes let's say the test doesn't go well. Sometimes the parent will want to jump in and sort of, I call it, fix the problem. Yeah. You know, they'll want to take control and sort of tell the teen what to do next time, where I would assert that the better approach that helps to build connection and, and get the teen to open up is to approach it more from an empowerment mindset, which means you sort of turn the problem back over to them. And you, rather than telling them what to do, you ask them, well, what do you think you should do different? How else could you uh, maybe be better prepared next time? I mean, you start asking those kinds of questions and it, it helps the team to think through that problem and come up with their own solution, which is going to be much more valuable to them than anything we could provide to them. Yeah, that's a great reminder. And I think when we do that, I know, and I know, you know, it comes from a good place and you don't, you just don't think about it like, oh, well, you know, next time make sure you, you know, do this. You want to give your suggestions, which I think you can kind of slip your suggestions in by asking the question like you suggested. And if it comes into a conversation, but if you just say, you know, oh, you need to do this, you need, like you said, fixing it. I don't think they're really listening anyway. <laughs> yeah. They don't. Um, it's, so, it's, it's, it feels like a challenge to them or like yeah. you're, and if you think about it too, it's sort of, it's underneath and we don't intend it as parents, but part of what's being communicated when you do that is that the teen isn't capable of doing it on their own. Yeah, it, you're right. Sort of, it disempowers them. It makes them feel like, well, mom, dad doesn't believe in me when you do that. And so when you, rather than that, you say, you know what, you, you have the ability to do this. What do you think you need to do different? That communicates that they're capable and that they can solve their problem. Um, and another a word I love to throw out for parents is the idea of helping your teen become resourceful. And that's really one of the most important things we can do is to help them to learn to become more resourceful for themselves so they can solve their own problems. Because when they're 30 years old and they're off on their own, they need to be able to do that. Your family safety is our top priority, and Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety picks 
than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, the all-new Mazda of Kent. MazdaKent.com. There's no inventory shortage here. Test drive a new Mazda today. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And maintenance is no charge for one year. Plus Mazda certified pre-owned vehicles with the balance of a seven year, 100,000 mile warranty. US News and World Report awarded Mazda best car brand. Come experience our new retail evolution dealership created solely with the customer in mind. We provide a premium experience that customers expect and deserve. Test drive a new Mazda today at your Mazda destination, the all new Mazda of Kent, where my family shops for cars. MazdaKent.com, MazdaKent.com. I think that can apply to anything. You know, we were talking about the grades, but like you said, it just applies to life. So it can be anything that they're involved in, even, you know, sports, you know, oh, I, I don't think, you know, I had a bad game or I don't think I played well. You know, I think a lot of parents want to, oh, you need to do this and you should do this in the game right. next time. And really the kid's probably thinking, you don't even know what you're talking about. And just like you said, just reframing that. Well, why do you think that? What do you think you didn't do well? Or why do you think that? Or, you know, I didn't see it that way. Or what could you do differently? And like you said, you're giving them those tools. You know, you're not always going to be there to exactly fix things and tell them exactly how to fix things. So you want to give them those tools to be able to to be successful later in life. So that's yeah, great. It's just an easy fix, you know, reframing the questions. I really yeah. like that. And actually, when you just said pop, something else that popped in my mind is I think a lot of times as parents, when we jump in like that, we also tend to rescue the child and right. sort of, you know, we, we don't allow them to go through the process of experiencing the consequences, if you will, <clears throat> of a bad choice that they made. Um, and to be honest, the child needs, the, you know, they need to go through that and they need to go in it. And the other big word is resiliency. You know, if, if we always rescue them and they never experience the little bit of a struggle, then they never develop resiliency. And again, as they go through life, that can be a very valuable thing for them. And so, it, but it's hard as a parent, right? You see them suffering a little bit and you want to go in and help. And um, as opposed to that, what I would throw out is keep in your mind the idea of being compassionate. <clears throat> right. If they're struggling, I don't need to fix it or take away that struggle, but I can still be compassionate with them and be there with them at, in a, you know, with a compassionate mindset. And that you know, will help them to get through it. But still, it's up to them to get through whatever it is that they're, they're struggling with. Yeah, I really like that. And just like you said, that compassion and, and yeah, it's, it's really good stuff, really good reminders. Um, and I think that stops the, you know, the defensiveness and the fighting, like we said, because it's like, why, what do you think? Or you don't think I can do it or, you know, that kind of thing where it's like right. automatically can become an argument. And so you talk about, you know, some questions, you know, you have 10 questions never to ask your teenager and 10 questions you should be asking. Can you share some of those on each side? Yeah. And actually that was the one we just talked about, you know, like a test, for example. Um, and it, you know, and it's a resource that I have available on my website. So your listeners, if they want to pop over there, they can download this resource. But uh, another example is, you know, sometimes we'll ask, I, I call them results oriented questions. You know, what time did you go to bed last night? 
you know, a question like that tends to have them bring up their defenses and become a little bit more guarded as opposed to asking those process-based questions where you're really trying to, you're being curious about what's going on for them and, and what's happening in their life. Uh, those kinds of questions tend to get them to open up a little bit more. Yeah, I really like that. So um, yeah, and what are some questions, you know, we shouldn't be asking or should, shouldn't, shouldn't be asking just a few more of those. So as I mentioned, you know, like what time do you go to bed or, you know, where, where did, um, where did you and your friends go last night? I mean, and it's interesting because we want to know some of that. You mentioned, you know, you want to know that information. And so, you know, there's a part of it that needs to be there, but my point is it tends to shut them down a little bit. So you got to be mindful of that. Um, as opposed to questions like, you know, what's your favorite artist right now? You know, what kind of music are you listening to? You know, that's more of asking their opinion, if you will. Um, okay. You know, we, you talked about athletics. Let's say they had a tough game um, and it's, you know, asking the question, you know, what happened in the game? What were you thinking when this was going on? Oh. You know, so, yeah, it, the, the process-based questions, and we were talking about athletics, for example, if they have a tough game, you know, it's like, you know, what did the coach say to you during that last time out that turned you guys around? You know, ask a question mm-hmm. like that allows them to share experience, if you will. You know, what did they experience? or What were you feeling when something, you know, when, um, you know, if they're involved, let's say in a musical or a play, you know, what, what was it like when everybody, you know, when you got that standing ovation at the end of the uh, mm-hmm. performance? I mean, those kinds of questions open them up a little bit more as opposed to those results-based questions. Yeah, that's those are great questions. And I think, you know, because like you mentioned before, you know, well, where did you guys go? Like, that's a question that you that you you, you may want to need to know the answer to that. But instead of making it seem like, you know, an inquisition, you can kind of just, you know, like, oh, what, you know, did you have fun? Oh, yeah. What's, you know, you can kind of get around to it by making it more conversational than just, you know, peppering with questions when they walk right. in the door. And, and all of the, you know, this stuff is inside of the idea of building connection. Yeah. And um, when I work with parents, you know, that is a fundamental element, especially with the teenagers, because actually one of the biggest complaints or concerns I hear from parents with teenagers is they start to feel disconnected from their teen. You know, there's this gap that starts to, to, to appear. And so the whole process of building connection and what's different in the teen years, I feel like is the parent has to be much more intentional about that. You know, when they're little, that connection is just there and they're always with you. And that that connection feels pretty solid. But as they go through the, and enter into those teenage years, you have to be more intentional as a parent and um, look for those opportunities to build connection. Um, Look, you know, ask better questions, look for opportunities to be playful, for example, you know, how can I, you know, still be playful with my teenager, um, you know, and how is that different than maybe it was when they were five or six years old? Um, So there's, you know, a lot of things that we can, and one, um, we talked about being present and just listening. Sometimes that's a hard thing for a parent to do. We want to start to share our opinions or, or <laughs> fix, as we talked about, fix problems when all we really need to do is listen and be present. Um, so, and those are all strategies for building connection, which are huge during, the, you know, during those teen years. That's a great, great point. Just being present and listen, especially nowadays. And being present means not having your phone. Right. Not, you know, having a corner of your eye watching the game or whatever it is that you're distracted by, because they know that they see that and they know you're not really present. 
Um, and so actually being very present and then they will, because I know I, I, there was some research, you know, some statistic that I, someone shared with me a long time ago about, you know, um, just adults out to dinner. If the phones are on the table, they're less, much less likely to really open up or have a deep conversation, even if they're just on the table. Yeah. So I'm sure that's with the same with, you know, teens and stuff. It's like, if they know that you're kind of half present and half not, they're not really going to go all in either. Right. And they feel, you know, they just, yeah, they feel like you don't want to talk to them when that happens. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just, and there's just something about being present and, and really focusing your attention. Another thing that can happen, and this is where I, you know, talk about being intentional is that sometimes the teen will say something and it's almost feels like it's in code. You know, it's, it's, they're sort of offering you an opportunity to engage and listen. Um, but without really saying, Hey dad or mom, I need to talk. You know, they just don't come out and say that they'll Mm -hmm. say something else. Um, like an example, um, one, my youngest daughter comes home late at night. She, she works as a, she had worked as a waitress in high school and I happened to be in the kitchen and she said, you know, sometimes people can be so difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, that was what she said. She didn't say, Hey, can we talk? And, but I, you you pick up on that as an opening and then you ask a question, what do you mean by people can be so difficult? And as soon as I asked that, she opened up and one and she talked for 15, 20 minutes about what happened that night. But you got to recognize that opportunity, ask a curiosity based question and, and then just be present and let them talk. And that's a great way to build connection. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Look for those opportunities, sense, right. you know, recognize it and then take advantage of it. Yeah. And a lot of times they happen and we just miss them as a parent, you know, they yeah. sort of go by and we don't recognize it. And that, and it's, it's sometimes it's because it's in an inconvenient time. You know, this one, um, yeah. the one I just described happened late at night. I was ready to go to bed, yeah. but you know, you got to recognize, okay, this is an opportunity to build connection. And the reason, yeah. and let me just add to that. The reason that's so critical, there's a couple of reasons, but one of them, a lot of times parents will say to me, you know, I, I don't feel like my teenager ever listens to me or I don't have the ability to influence them. Well, I always argue that you can't influence them if you don't have a really strong connection. And so that connection is a prerequisite to being able to empower and influence your team later on. And so you got to start there and and build that connection. And it, it just really provides a Think of it as like a safe place for your team that they always know that you're there as a safe place for them to go. And that's a huge benefit to them when they're out in the world dealing with what it is that they're dealing with. Yeah, I love that. It really comes out of that connection. And I think, this is my just personal opinion, that you know, a lot of, sometimes parents might say, well, they don't, you know, the teen is, they're not doing this. So they don't seem like they want a relationship. They're not doing this. They're not doing this. I think it's the parent's responsibility to build that connection. You're the parent. So if they don't seem like they want it, or they're kind of pushing away, I think the parent should be the one to keep, you know, you're going to keep on and on and on and on until you can get that breakthrough or have that connection. Absolutely. It's the, the parent has to step into it. And that's, I kind of, I mentioned this heroes to journey idea. And that's one of my messages to parents is that you are the hero in the family and it's your job to lean into or step into these situations. And underneath it all as well, 
your relationship and that connection to your teenager is the most important thing to the teenager as well. They may never say it. They may never admit it. And part of it is because I think sometimes they just don't know how to put it into words and and they have a feeling or a sense inside of them. But again, they don't know how to express it. But I just I really encourage parents to understand that that relationship between you and that teen is vital and that teen wants it desperately, even though they may not always act like it. I'm going to read your definition. I really like your definition of a successful family, if that's okay. Um, Sure. A successful family is one whose members speak with respect, honor difference, provide a nurturing environment, empower each other, and truly enjoy being together. They have a knack for really enjoying and appreciating the good times, while at the same time, they can effectively deal with any difficult issues that come their way. There's a sense of peace, joy, warmth, and love within their home. I really like that um, definition that you wrote there with successful family. And I like that, you know, you, you hit on, you know, the respect, honoring, you know, appreciation and um, the good times also while being able to, you know, you deal with those difficult times because you have that connection. And, you know, you said there's a sense of peace, joy, warmth, and love within their home. This isn't going to be, you know, every day or perfect, but I really try to personally, like, I want to make my house a place where my kids want to be and want to come home to and want to come back, whether it's just from being some out somewhere or being back from college, you know, they really want to be here. And again, it's not, you know, every minute of every day isn't perfect, but you know, overall you have built that place where they want to be. Absolutely. And um, actually in the book, I use the idea of like a continuum at any, you know, if you think about a day, you know, every minute of every day, some some of those minutes are going to be feel like love, peace, and joy, if you will, and other ones won't. And so it's a matter of can I shift that? If if my house right now is you know only thirty percent I'll call love based and seventy percent is unloving, then it's going to feel a certain way. And part of the goal of the parent is to try to shift and move down that continuum to where there's more and more love within your home. And actually, one of the the fundamentals within the book that I share is that inside of all of us, we have these two competing mindsets is the way I like to, to, to um, describe it. We have a love-based mindset and a fear-based mindset. And at any given moment, we're responding or acting out of one of those two. And what happens unfortunately is that sometimes that fearful mindset Um, becomes the dominant one. And we tend to respond more from that perspective than we do the love-based perspective. And and so part of the process for the parent and where the opportunity for personal growth for the parent lies is in being aware of that and being able to be more intentional about choosing to be love-based and and acting and responding from that love-based mindset as opposed to from a fear-based mindset. Um, And that that can have a huge impact in your relationship with the teen and the, in the way the home feels um, and just the way your, your family um, engages with each other. If you can keep it more love, love based. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think you mentioned something earlier, you know, just about humor or, or you know, just um, having the good times, being able to connect with your kid. I can't remember exactly what you said, you know, playful. I think you said it'd be different. From right. Like- younger and you're actually like playing, you know, stuff with them. Um, but I think that's important for teens. And I think that, 
you really can connect with them on that level, you know, tap into their sense of humor and just act silly. And, you know, you're just at home and they're, you know, they're not embarrassed because, you know, you're not out, but whatever their sense of humor is, if it's like more sarcasm or just acting, you know, kind of wacky, um, they do like it and it really does help build connection. Absolutely. And actually it's, it's part of the fun of having a teenager. Yeah, I mean, I would assert, you know, that the the teen years can be awesome, especially if you engage with them because your teenager is so creative and they're, they are funny and they are fun and they, um, you know, they can be very uh, sort of insightful as well, which when you have that happen and they say something that's insightful, it's like, wow, this is kind of cool. It's, it's a, it's a different perspective, but again, you got to go into it with the goal of connecting and go into it from a love-based mindset, um, you know, where you're not trying to control everything and, and allow them a little space for them to express themselves. Yeah. I think that's really important. I think that, you know, maybe parents now are, you know, there's different reasons or stress, you know, different, everyone's in different situations. I understand that time and busy and all that kind of stuff. It's like you get through the day and you just really maybe haven't had that time to really connect with your teen or, um, you know, play with them, you know, so to speak, or have fun or, or see the enjoyment with them just because of the business of the day. Um, and that that's, you know, that's sad. (laughs) And and sometimes we have to make it like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to just, like we said, I'm just going to be present. This can wait, whatever it is, it has to have to do. I'll do it later. Um, and I'm going to be present and and really enjoy and connect with them and and have fun with them. Yeah. And that's where I say that, you know, the, the idea of being intentional about it is, um, is critical. I mean, you just, you have to put some attention to it, be intentional, about the, you know, the fundamentals of, you know, maintaining your own mindset as a parent and trying to be as love-based as possible about building connection and empowerment. Those are the three fundamentals that I describe in, you know, in the book, how to be the parent your teenager needs you to be. And, um, you know, it, it's just being intentional about those and, and looking for the opportunities to en- engage with your teen from, from those perspectives. Well, I think your kids and grandkids are really lucky to have you. And I, I'm sure that your your home is just one that's filled with love and fun. And I think I've really enjoyed talking with you. Um, where can we find, you know, where can the readers connect with you, find information, find your book? It's all great stuff. So <clears throat> the website is familyenrichmentacademy.com. And you can, you know, they can go there and uh, learn about the coaching program or, or connect with me. Um, and, and again, I produce other content on a regular basis, a blog yes. post and um, YouTube videos, that sort of thing. So they can just connect there. The book is available on Amazon. Um, so again, the title is How to Be the Parent Your Teenager Needs You to Be. Um, and they can go to Amazon and purchase the book there. I have a link on the website as well to the to the Amazon page with the book. But I'd love to ha- you know have people check out the website and download that free resource I mentioned, you know, those 10 questions you should never ask your teen and then the 10 great questions as well. And just connect with the community. I mean, we're, you know, the goal is to engage with other parents that are going through the same things that you're going through, um, you know, your audience, if they have teens or preteens and just be able to work together and support each other as we move through this journey. Um, and it is a journey. And so we, you know, it's, um, you know, we just have to be open, open-minded and have a growth mindset and it can be, uh, you know, just a tremendous opportunity as well. 
Well, thank you so much. And yes, please connect with him. Check out the book. And you do have some really good resources on your website. Um, Thank you so much for being here. It was great talking to you. My pleasure. Sponsored by the all-new Mazda of Kent. Your family safety is our top priority. And Mazda has more Insurance Institute for Highway Safety Picks than any other manufacturer. So get to your Mazda destination, Mazda of Kent. Check out new Mazda CX-5 crossover SUVs, Mazda CX-30 CUVs, even 2023 Mazda CX-50 crossover SUVs. And U.S. News & World Report awarded Mazda Best Car Brand. Check out their new retail evolution dealership, the all-new Mazda of Kent, mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.